0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of A Walk on the White Side, where our goal, as always, is to bring diverse experts from diverse backgrounds to give you unique, enlightening, and empowering insights to help you in your personal and professional success. I'm Prash Techa, your host, founder of Stress to Success and Urban Spirituality. My guest today is Anandi, a nationally published author, speaker, and internationally recognized expert on sleep. She's also the author of Breathe Better, Sleep Better, and creator of Sleepology, which is designed to resolve sleep issues using a specific methodology, using principles done in a particular order. Anandi is also an Ayurvedic consultant, NLP practitioner, senior yoga teacher, and teacher trainer, and has been in the wellness field for a remarkable 30 plus years. And has been featured in the press, including Cosmopolitan and the Evening Standard. I'm delighted to have Anandi explore the myths, truths, and tips of sleep. So please welcome Anandi. Anandi, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Prash. It's great to be here. Really, really happy to be here.
0: So, Anandi, I'm going to start with the white elephant in the room, if there was one. Anandi, now, that's an english accent if I ever heard one, but Anandi is very much an Indian or more precisely a Sanskrit name. What's going on? Tell me.
1: Well, um, basically, I went to India. I decided to, I was suffering from chronic insomnia at the time and I was doing a bit of yoga and I thought, actually, I'm not really getting what I felt I was looking for. With the kind of practice that I was doing and I thought I'm just gonna down tools and just go off to India. I had no idea actually where I was going, I kind of just got off play. <laughs> didn't even know whereabouts in India I was actually going. <laughs> but, so I just kind of like found something on the internet thought that's it. I actually thought no I'm not gonna go for the first one um, I'm seeing but I just kept coming back to this one I thought I'm just gonna go there because that's where my kind of like i keep getting led there so i thought that's the sign i've got to go so okay now
0: wait a second now you've really perked my interest and i'm sure those of you who are watching are about to join us for this adventure of Anandi's life so before you do that actually backtrack just a little bit what was what what was your background growing up what was your life growing up before you went on this powerful and magical adventure tell us a little bit about your background
1: Well, basically, I always felt like I was a bit of the black sheep of the family. Mm. Um, And as I was kind of like growing up, I was always sort of like interested in witchy poo type things. If anyone was sort of mysterious, I was always kind of like very attracted to kind of anyone that was sort of spiritual or black magic or white magic, any sort of magic. And I was very sort of drawn to it. And I really was always interested in health and fitness, like health and well being. And it wasn't something that, you know, was around in my family, particularly. You know, I grew up on sugar. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, as I kind of like somehow got interested in, in fitness, I was just very, very drawn to kind of spiritual things. You know, hmm. at the time we're talking, you know, we're talking a long time ago um 30, you know, 30 sort of like more, more, more years. But it's yeah. something that I've always felt like I've I've always been led. I've led. always sort of like been always sort of like followed my instinct. And yeah.
0: Well let, I mean this is what this is this is the interesting dichotomy that I see when when we first connected you are quite the consummate professional. You are on LinkedIn. You have a great presence. You do great work with organizations, individuals, uh, corporates, so on and so forth. And yet when I hear you speak, I hear this deep, profound sense of knowing, this, this adventurer. How did the adventurer in you come out and was there a corporate side was there a uh, an old life that you used to live that was the catalyst to this journey that you went on
1: well i've always had my own. i worked um for myself since i was 26 so i did have a few jobs but always felt like i was a bit unemployable mm-hmm. and i remember because actually at the time my very first kind of business was I was, a, I was a aerobics teacher, a fitness teacher, and a massage therapist, and I remember someone asking me, you know, what did I want out of my life? And the thing that came right out of my mouth was freedom. Hmm. I always wanted to be free. I never wanted to be ball and chained to an office, ball and chained to a couch, ball and chained to a studio. I never want to be ball and chained anywhere. And I kind of like set I've always set my businesses up for me to be able to travel. I did have a business, I had a beauty business actually. And I kind of like set that up so it kind of ran itself. Right. And it was incredible because I was able to travel, you know, I go off to India for a couple of months. And then of course the Italy thing came up and I just decided that I wanted to have a house in Italy and everyone thought I was completely nuts, but I just knew, I just saw a few pictures and I thought that's what I'm, that's what I want to go there. I want to have a place there. And I just focused on it. I had no money. And I just kind of like, you know, when I showed my parents the house, it was all tumbled down. It was like trees growing out in the middle. And, you know, I kind of thought I'd save the house, but uh, I had to knock most most of it down. I had no money and I just sort of like, I I remember feeling so focused and so clear that I'm going to do that. And so my other company kind of like made that all happen. And I Mm. think that because I set, set it up for me to be free, I was able to travel, I was able to do courses and you know, I was always going somewhere. I was always on a plane going somewhere, learning something. And, you know, that's the story of my life, basically, for the last sort of like 35, 40 years.
0: Phenomenal. So there's been travel. Now, there was the time at India and tying back that journey a little bit and kind of bringing us closer to the present. You are renowned as the sleep guru. You've helped countless executives, professionals, and everyone in between to help with their specifically with this area around sleep hygiene and the things that are associated with that, what was the key training or turning point that happened during your time, I believe in India, that led to this particular field of expertise?
1: Well basically when I was suffering from chronic insomnia my mother kind of gave me one of her sleeping pills and I felt so awful the next day. I thought, this is not, this can't be right. This can't be the way. Hmm. And I was doing a bit of yoga at the time, as I was said, and I wasn't really kind of getting it. I wasn't getting what I felt yoga meant. So I just went off to India and who my guru, who gave me my name when I was leaving, he said, "Anandi." He said, go home and do belly breathing twice a day, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening, going up to 40 minutes and 40 minutes. And I thought, hang on a minute, we've just been doing these really advanced stuff. You know, you're sending me home to do belly breathing. And that completely, I did it. I did as I was told. And I learned so much about the breath. And it just transformed my whole ability to fall asleep and stay asleep because I was always someone who was actually very stressed out. My mother was always stressed out and I was always stressed out, especially with my other business. And I always felt like, you know, I had this button inside me that someone pressed it and I would kind of like, just always feel like the adrenaline was being pumped in, like it was on tap. But as soon as I started just working with the breath and the, and the amazing thing is, is what I realized that the breath taught me was that Sometimes in life, you have to surrender. And we all think we have to work harder and we get more. Hmm. But the breath taught me that the more you try to control it, the less you get. And that was not just a lesson about the breath for me, that was a life lesson. Because sometimes we have to surrender. That's why my technique um, in my book is called the Surrendered Breath. And because one of the experiments that I did that that was really interesting that I'd love to share was that I was experimenting with sort of the length of one round of breath. Hmm. And I put my sort of like my iPhone timer thingy, you know, as soon as I was at the end of the exhale, I go start and then see how many seconds that was. So just a, a round of breath when I was thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to take a nice deep breath now. So I took a nice deep breath that I thought was a long, deep breath. And that was about. 18 20 seconds and then i went right now what i'm going to do is i'm going to at the end of the exhale i'm going to press start and i'm going to wait for the breath to arrive instead of just like going grabbing trying to get the breath i'm just going to wait wait. naturally
0: comes back yeah
1: and that was about 60 55 seconds the difference between controlling trying to go grabbing for it and just trusting that it will come because the breath will come. And I think the trusting that things will come is also it's very much It is, because that's the thing with sometimes with people who aren't sleeping very well, they're so stressed out, they're kind of grabbing, they're kind of like trying to control everything in their space. And sometimes we have to just plant the seeds and we have to just yeah. allow the things to come. When they're ready and that was that's a,
0: huge point. I mean it's a powerful analogy for life and I think especially at crisis times in our life as many of us are facing right now a, a lot of people find that some of the biggest stresses they have is to do with the loss of control
1: yes. and I think
0: as, as, as a society and maybe I would by extension I would extend this to the Western world, but certainly as a society here and generally in the West, I think we've been taught, our education system teaches us to very much take control, to grab control, to be in charge. And when we're not in charge, when we're not in control, there is fear, anxiety, stress, these things start to creep up. And yet what you're alluding to is deliberate surrender, that there is a deliberate relinquishing of that control. Exactly. And that that part of our relief from stress, improved sleep, uh, probably the benefits for, of course, you know, as a well-being expert myself, I certainly believe it. But you know, for those who are doubters out there, to start to realize that the benefits of surrendering and releasing control can actually play out into our business and our professional lives as well as our health as well. Are you? Is that something you found abundant evidence of? working with people across Absolutely.
1: the years. Absolutely. Because people are scared to kind of let go. They're spared, they're scared to sort of surrender completely. And another lesson that the breath has taught me is that unless you're prepared to let it really go, right. you can't take it in. So you have to kind of like, cause I was experimenting with inhales and exhales, wow. I was experimenting with all sorts of things but actually like letting the exhale go until you're completely empty. And then you get this incredible filling, this incredible expansion of the breath. But also it's like your your brain is kind of like feeding. It's just the most amazing experience. And I learned through the breath that you can't be the best expression of yourself right. unless you're prepared. To let it go so you're not going to be able to expand your infinite self as much as you would be if you were prepared to just kind of like surrender it and then really let go and, and let go and take the rest like just on a practical level let go it's not going right. anywhere right Stop. you know this old-fashioned work ethic of you know people who are getting up at five on their email and, and working till midnight, that was supposed to be like, you know, the, oh, how great are they? You know, they're working it's, really hard. Well, people are wearing
0: money. it as a badge of honor, right? I mean, let's not lie exactly. about it. People still wear it as a badge of honor and that's the exactly. sad
1: thing. Exactly. Whereas actually for me, true success is having time. Like actually time is the biggest gift because actually, yes, we all need money. That's very true. But time, you're never going to get time back. And if no. you think you're going to wait till you're seventy before you're going to give yourself time to do what you like, forget it. You know you might be dead by then. And the, um, and,
0: and, and and let's not forget that you know we're supposed to be having the quality of our sleep. The worse the quality of our sleep, the 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 more likely the quality and duration of our lifespan is also adversely impacted. The two are intimately sleep. connected, and so sleep and lifespan are you know obviously. Modern science confirms that, you know, Western medicine agrees that. But what, what fascinates me is your approach. We've in these, in these short minutes that we've been speaking, not once have I heard you talk about prescribing or suggesting certain sleep pills. I've not ta- heard you talk about allopathic treatments and pathways that obviously exist in abundance. And that's what I find fascinating about what you have in your toolbox Because you've taken, it seems that you've taken an approach which is very different. And I wanted to ask you this, uh, if I may, Anandi. Now, I know you're the author of a well-renowned book on sleep, Breathe Better, Sleep Better. And that book that you've authored, you talk about, I guess, a technique, sleepology. Could you share, uh, could you help us? First of all, well, I want to do two things. I'd like to deconstruct for our audiences um, a little bit about the science of sleep As you see it from your very much real experience rather than those scientists sitting in a lab and doing tests with uh double blind placebo tests and all kinds of other things with subjects. This is you, real life personal and field-tested experiences. So I want to talk about deconstructing sleep a little bit, but before we do that, could you give us an understanding um of you know how you regard the subject of sleep in terms of what we should be aspiring for and are there certain myths that we need to dispose of first for example everybody needs eight hours sleep Um, everybody needs to go go to bed before midnight because it's worth double the time all those things any myths that you'd care to blow away first
1: well um one of the things i definitely like to blow away very much so is this idea that um it's all right to sleep for five hours because there's pe- there's only a very small number of people that have in their dna that they can survive on four hours the rest of us we have to sleep for at least seven hours there's there's people that say less i know most sleeper sleep experts neuroscientists and people like that they will say eight hours hmm. because your brain and your body like when you're awake you have there's damage going on, you know, you have to repair. So when you're sleeping, the body has to repair. The brain has to actually cleanse. It's a bit like you have, you know, a rubbish bin. That's what I like to say. Like in the morning, you've got an empty rubbish bin. The angels have came, come to sort of empty the rubbish bin. That's your brain. During the day, you're chucking stuff in there. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, it's full. And then when you go to sleep, the angels come in and they take all the rubbish out. So in the morning, you feel like fresh and clear because the brain has been cleansed, literally, you know, you have proteins that build up in the brain and the fluid comes up and it cleanses and it comes out again. It can't do that during the day. You haven't got enough energy to be walking, talking, thinking, and cleansing your brain. So even just from that perspective, you know, you do need sleep. You have to accept the fact that you can't sleep. You can't only do four hours and then it's not, you know, there's that whole thing that that someone says, Oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Forget it. That's really, that's really like one of you know don't sleep when you're dead sleep
0: sleep. yeah that that old phrase uh sleep is for wimps i think that that's got to be left in the where it came from in the 1990s it's so
1: it's got to be left it is exactly
0: so then okay so we blow away that myth myth number one what else should we be dispelling with for our edification and for us to get really informed about what what we need to get to grips with.
1: Okay. So, um, th- that, thing that you were saying about, Oh yes, going to bed before a certain time, actually it's true. <laughs> because if you look at the way that the world works, everything kind of works in a rhythm. The body likes to do certain times, at cer- certain things at certain times of day. And if you prefer to run uphill against nature, then you'll have to pay for it when you're running uphill against nature. So what I mean by that, as an example, if you're eating like your main meal, like 8 p.m. or 8.30 p.m. in the evening, you can't expect your body to be happy about trying to digest a load of food, when it's actually trying to go to sleep. The Mm. cook's gone home, you're chucking stuff down there. Mm. Your digestive fire is going down because your body temperature needs to go down in order for you to go into a deep sleep. And um, so respecting the cycles of nature also means that, you know, you have to eat really your main meal or the sun is above your head because that's when your digestive fire is at its most active. You know, when the sun is above your head, if you look at, you look at nature, then, um, you know, you can't go far wrong. Exclusive. going to bed in the evening so if you look at sleep cycle, like if you've ever looked at the sleep cycles and look at those that sleep architecture you can see it on these apps and things i have an aura ring actually which i really like um you know it gives you a great idea of the sleep cycles that you're going through you know it might not be 100 accurate but it will certainly give you a great idea and i've for over the years that i've been doing it myself i can see that if i've had enough you know dream sleep more you know sufficient dream sleep the right amount of dream sleep i Feel so much more clear headed the next day. If I've had the right amount of dream, um, deep sleep. I feel physically more rested, right? Now, the sleep cycles go in you know, like you go around five, minutes. about five cycles. I'll, I'll right?
0: they, they say altradians 90 minutes from what I, I studied sleep for a while. Is that
1: yeah, how... about 90 minutes? So it goes 90 minutes. So you would go through about five, and obviously, in the early hours, you'll get more deep sleep, and the later hours, you'll get more REM sleep. Mm-hmm. You will still get. Some more REM sleep, um, deep sleep in the early hours, but it's mostly REM. Therefore, if you go to bed, like some people say, well, you know, I'm good. I go to bed at twelve thirty at night. Well you know you're not going to get the right amount of deep sleep because the deep sleep you know your body in the in the 24 hour cycle in nature right. you're going deep in the earlier you know before midnight so that old wise tell you know sleep is worth more before midnight than after midnight there's actually some truth in that so that is not a myth but it, that's actually perfectly true and i think that we have to have some yin and yang, you know, we have to have some of that, you know, and obviously we have to live. So, you know, on a Saturday night, going out and having, you might be going out for dinner, you know, of course you're gonna go and have dinner at eight o'clock, but I work on the 80%, 20% rule. So 80% of the time, you know, I'm really good, you know, and then like on a Saturday night or, you know, whatever, because I don't practice on a Sunday morning. So Saturday night's my night. (laughs) So I don't get up 5.30 in the morning on Sunday morning. I just have that as my rest day. Um, you know, so that, but most of the time, because I know I function better, I want to be the best version of myself. Therefore, I know that I need to have enough sleep and I need to be in a rhythm and it's not just me. People do, people need to be in a rhythm. People need to respect the rhythms of nature and they will be so much better. Their body's going to be using less energy if you're in the rhythm with nature.
0: Right now this i, I don 't dispute any of what you 're saying, and I think you know obviously, as a well passionate well being expert and specialist I, I I very much extol the same thing to everyone I work with as well, but there is a growing body of work, and I know there are a lot of people out there who are becoming vocal about it Tim Ferriss, Dave Asprey, a lot of these guys have been you know the podcast gurus out there have been big about this and that is about the sleep chronotype now when you're looking at the chronotype they're talking about people's chronotype being different and therefore they're talk mind value are on it as well like hey don't beat yourself up if you're wanting to work it so there is a body of school body of thought that says hey don't try and force yourself to be productive and super on it during the day maybe your time is after people go to bed after seven o'clock in the evening eight o'clock what do you say to this idea of chronotypes and you know performance
1: well I the trend i say um i i come from an ayurvedic background so i i am in agreement with certain people um are better at certain times of day um but
0: and folks sorry um, folks for, for those of you who 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 didn't catch that ayurvedic by the way uh, Anandi referred to Ayurvedic. Ayurveda is the uh, is an ancient science from India, dates back at least five and a half thousand years. Records date back even older in some of the Vedas to eight thousand years. But Ayu means life, Veda means knowledge. So it's the knowledge of life. Ayurveda is the oldest medical, medicinal, and physiological science, holistic science fits kind in the world. Anandi, is that how yes.
1: you see it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So those people were incredibly wise. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm not knocking the chronotype thing, but I think that it's kind of a bit sort of like similar to Ayurveda in, in as much as, you know, some people work need the- more of one than others. Um, but I still don't buy that people need to work at 10 o'clock at night. I just don't buy it because the brain is trying to quieten down. You know, if you look at the, if you could if you look at nature, the way nature works. The rhythm you know, is nat- calming it's down. Is isn't natural just because you're a whatever chronotype that thinks you can work at eleven PM. I don't I don't right. really get it. I don't buy it. I don't agree with that. I think that yes, you know, in Ayurveda there's three different types, you know, you have subtypes and everything, you know, some things go out of balance, you know, so there are some people who, you know, are just more um you know, fiery and things, but even so, the sun goes down at night and it gets up in the morning. <laughs> it goes up in the morning. <laughs> so and, I, and I, I, I
0: really guess, no, no, I agree, and I guess, it's just to, I mean, you know, there's a lot of science substantiating uh, when we look at um, bioscience. There's a lot of bioscience that substantiates what you talk about when we when we talk about the conducive hormonal the conducive hormonal profiling that follows good quality sleep and good quality sleep habits cortisol levels coming down at the right time uh very igf1 various other hormones regulating the parasympathetic system gets its time to work out bdnf right you know everybody brain derived neurotropic factor the brain repairs as you say it right so there is a lot of science that's saying that hormonal profiling to be optimal does require better quality sleep and as you're now saying quantity of sleep as well that 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 both these features seem to play a real part
1: yeah they do
0: so i mean what would you say as some important tips here um you know we've deconstructed sleep a little bit we understand that there are cycles of sleep we typically sleep in roughly 90 minute cycles the body typically wants not just the body here but actually let's rephrase the body the mind the brain the whole system the human system needs around five of those cycles typically from what you're saying preferably we want those cycles to start prior to midnight so that's a good good bit of deconstruction and we know that sleep comprises of Deep sleep, where there's deep dreamless sleep, and then you've got the dreamful sleep, and the body needs both. We can't just have one without the other for cognitive repair and all the other things that happen. How can we start to bring this about? What can we start to do?
1: Well, um, as I say, you know, being in rhythm with nature is the most important thing you can do. So, things like going back to the eating in the evening, for example, just as an example. Your digestive fire is actually coming down. You need to go, your body needs to drop. The temperature of your body needs to drop in order for you to go into a deep sleep. And you will not go into a deep sleep if your body is digesting food. So the first thing is actually eating light in the evening. Evening. Light in the evening. Obviously, stimulants. I know people, you know, stimulants, everyone kind of like talks about stimulants, but people still drink coffee at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Now you have got, like, they go, Oh, I drink decaf. Well, there's still 15 to 30% caffeine in decaf- decaffeinated coffee, plus all the um, processing that goes through whatever they do, whatever things they do to it to make it decaffeinated. I think if you're going to have coffee, have organic, proper coffee at you know, eight o'clock in the morning and don't have anything else during the day. But just bear in mind that actually you're still processing that coffee. Even after, um, when you're going to bed. Even it, you know those stimulants, yeah, are really really important. And obviously, alcohol is is also a stimulant. You know, alcohol. People say, uh, you know, another myth. Oh, you know, alcohol helps helps me kind of like go to sleep. Yeah. Alcohol is like an alcohol is like an anesthetic, an anesthetic that's knocking you out. It's not getting sending you to sleep. It's actually suppressing your REM sleep, your very very important dream sleep. And probably, what will happen is if you 're drinking alcohol in the evening, you know like too much alcohol, um you know a glass of wine's fine, of course, but um if you 're drinking it too near bedtime then you' you've still got to process it you know you've right. got you need lots of body needs lots of water to process it, and where does the body get the water from when you 're asleep if you 're dehydrating in the brain <laughs> that's what I was all about. You know because you know you've got all this where's the where's the most water in your body <laughs> um so you're gonna be very dehydrated which is why your brain goes oh my God you know hence the hangovers the like uh, really, yeah.
0: hangovers and stuff and exactly,
1: exactly. And, and and of course there's the whole thing about brain waves you know you're zooming around with your brain going in like the beta like daytime brain waves yeah and uh, course what's happening is that's so intimately connected with your ego so that the ego obviously is there to protect you right so it's there to protect you your physical being keep you out of danger not allowing anything that's going to you know harm you or not you walk into harm but unfortunately your brain when it's in that state will be connecting to that kind of part of you that's judging it's criticizing it's keeping you small it's comparing because the human being was not designed to be in that mode from the moment they wake up, you know, like picking their phone up or, or you, Facebook in the, the morning. And to, it's a
0: shame. Yeah, I was going to say, and it's a shame that, you know, we've got this phrase now in, you know, modern parlance, I'm too tired. I'm too, too wired to be tired. Right.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: it, it, what's going on there and Andy, you know, what are we getting wrong?
1: Well, we're getting wrong. With the fact that we are always wired. there's no respite during the day, there's no kind of being time, mm-hmm. there's no breathing. so I always say to people, at least top and tell your day with some kind of practical activity where you switch exactly. off exactly yeah, so so, I call it going exactly. into airplane
0: mode for the mind i as i
1: exactly I don't know
0: you know we put our phones in airplane mode, we should be putting this and the exactly. system.
1: exactly disconnecting you know di- we're becoming more connected out there and more disconnected in here so true and it's that is what's wiring us up the more separation we create from like the whole the more wired we become you know because we are all you know every everyone is interconnected with everything And the ego makes us separate it's me it's mine I want more I want more it's a bit like that hungry ghost kind of you've heard of that Hungry Ghost story. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, oh, it was, it's, I read it years ago in a really wonderful book by Stephen Coates. I'd like to give him a plug. I think he's amazing. Um, it's all the wisdom of yoga. And he talks about this Hungry Ghost. So basically it's this, this being that has this very long neck, very thin neck and a very tiny mouth with this enormous belly. And he's never satiated. So he can only have small bites of things but he's still never, ever satisfied. And I think that's what the ego is doing. It's like, we want more and we want more and we want more and we want more. We are never actually right. happy being with kind of what we've got, you know, looking forward, you know, we never kind of appreciate kind of like, you know, no. in fact, now is one of the times during this time, you know, in this time of pandemic, when we've got to be at home, we've, we've got to do a lot more being and be happy with kind of what we've got. You know, and um, but generally speaking, I think this running around, never being satiated, we've always got to have more, is keeping us very wired and we're stressed because stress, the definition of stress really is the fact that you, you haven't got what you want. So you're stressed, you know, stress is there because you don't actually have what you want. And when you're constantly in that stress and the brain is going round and round and round in beta the whole time, you are really not going to be able to wind down very easily. It's going to be very hard for you to wind down. You're going to be wired and you won't be able to go to sleep when your brain is doing that, which is why you need to at least have some kind of top and tailing of the day of some sort of wind down at least in the morning. Don't pull your brain out of sleep and look at your phone. Spend the first half an hour of the day with the spirit or with yourself, you know, just, being and have your tea and just sit quietly without pulling your your brain. It's not good for your brain. It's like a big sandstorm in the brain when you're immediately going into like checking your Facebook mode or whatever yeah, you're doing. No, in the email.
0: There's no easing into it. I get it, and that that can cause problems. Um, I know a lot of um, you know speaking to people in the neuroscience world, uh, they are pointing out how there are. are, are infinitely rapidly growing cases of cognitive impairment and various other situations like for example dyslexia, um, ADD, ADHD and so forth a lot of these are being attributed to people being too wired too early in the day and not having that topping and tailing so it seems Mm -hmm. that it's crucial to have that and obviously I guess you know with the two of us being in the well-being space I think having a meditation or mindfulness routine is a huge part even if it's a short one to have that at the you know the Definitely. beginning and the end of the day i suppose um to to increase that um and i and obviously you've talked about eating food earlier and keeping your meals lighter you've talked about intoxicants including the misinformation that's there about or the misunderstanding about alcohol coffee and so forth um and i guess we can talk about blue light filters and other hacks to try and carry oh, on yeah. work longer but i know you've deliberately i notice you've carefully sidestepped that because obviously i guess you'd be your wisdom would be don't look at the damn things at night forget the blue yeah, light.
1: people go oh, i've got some of those i've got some of those glasses or i put put it on an aircraft and just turn it off yeah. you know these things turn it off forget the what's it glasses and the, the nightcraft mode on your computer needs to go off because it's stimulating it's constantly stimulating it's the brain the brain needs, you, wanna, you have to look after your brain you know you have to look after it's a bit like you know looking after your body we want to kind of there's all this stuff about healthy food you know healthy yes healthy food of course but what about brain you need to sleep and you need to give your brain respite during the day not just expect it to be wired from the moment you open your eyes from the moment you kind of like close your eyes because you won't sleep very well anyway if that happens
0: a couple of things that did come to mind before i forget um you just mentioned there about having respite during the day and obviously you know you know obviously i know we both uh are big advocates for ensuring that people take breaks during the day our clients take 15 minute breaks. I kind of talk about the 90 minute rule. do do, go do 90 minutes of focus sprint. Don't try and multitask, do 90 minutes, single tasking, mm-hmm. do a piece of work and then do something completely different for 15 minutes. Go for a walk, meditate, yeah. go and chat with your friends, do something that takes you away from that mode of activity. So we've talked about respite and I, I know you're touching on that. What about the role of um, exercise or intense exercise I hear some people say Anandi that you know doing some brief and intense exercise during the morning part of the day helps to um, um, induce a better quality sleep is there any truth in any of these techniques that are now kind of coming out there
1: I think there's a lot of fashionable things that come out. These are like techniques and interval training and this training and that training. It's a bit like, you know, this yoga and that yoga or whatever, but exercise we need to be doing. We need exercise. We need fresh air and whatever form that is, hmm. I would say don't get hung up about the techniques. Right. I think that it's so important to have fresh air the body needs to move, you know, the spine needs to move in the six directions. We need to breathe. We need to make sure the breathing apparatus is free. So they're not kind of like, you know, you're not shallow breathing. So opening the body, moving the body, you know, raising the heart rate, all those sorts of things. And whatever way kind of works for you. And that kind of goes back in like chronotype thing you know like the ayurvedic vata pitta kapha the three types you know they have their preference and we have to kind of like have certain things that we need to be doing so the the type that actually doesn't like moving very much you know they need to be disciplined and they need to move you know and the other type of the vata type you know really
0: slow down, down and
1: on the move. <laughs> they need to sort of slow down yeah, but they still true. need to move they need to move in a different kind of way and the pitters they need challenging but not too much challenging so You know, I think there's a lot of stuff out there. There's so many different gym type things and different gadgets that you can get and all sorts of things. But I think keep it simple. Move, breathe, you know, uh, raise your heart rate and, and find what works for you with some sort of mental respite
0: interjected during the course of the day and time shift a little bit to the left of the clock and get in there a little earlier with that sort of precious sacred 30 minutes or hour of switch off at the beginning and the end of the day in order to prime I guess our brain and our body and our mind to be ready to get into that sleep state it's almost like a it's a ritual it's a pre-sleep ritual almost is what you're
1: it's like it's like going to bed without cleaning your teeth or getting up without cleaning your teeth it will be once it's ingrained in you it'll be your body will be looking you'll be looking out for it it's like you 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 kind of like it's an automatic thing and you feel weird if you don't do it and if you do it in in that way and it becomes a ritual like your body's ready for it like your body's like in the morning for example when i get up in the morning i don't keep pressing the snooze button the alarm goes off and i get out of bed because and I'm I'm ready to I'm ready, you know, I'm ready to get out of bed at that time. Because that's half the work. The fact that I'm in a rhythm, that's half the work done for me. My body's looking out for it.
0: Phenomenal. Uh I think there's some real nuggets there. I know obviously you've written for some of the national press here, Daily Mail, Evening Standard, and so on and so Cosmopolitan, of course, let's not forget. Uh, your mm-hmm. book is available. I know your book will go into a lot more information. Breathe Better, Sleep Better. The book is available on Amazon and usual good book outlets. You alluded to your Ayurvedic training, uh, the Chopra meditation, Deepak Chopra, and the various other skills and trainings you've had over the years. Ananda, tell us, um, as we move towards the end, tell us a little bit about Sleepology, your branded process, and how we can learn more
1: yeah well basically sleepology kind of like it's something i stumbled across in my own journey because what i realized was was that i also experienced that when i was having chronic insomnia i was like stabbing around in the dark i think oh i read somewhere that i i should take valerian and then i read somewhere well you know i should take um melatonin and then or 5 HTP, and it will be kind of like I've tried lact-
0: all of
1: those <laughs> and whatever you know whatever vitamin i read you know i was sort of chucking it down but I realise that it doesn't really work like that. What does work is that you have to do things in a certain order. And the very first step is calming the nervous system down. You have to cut cal- because nothing is going to work because the mind is so powerful. You see it, from placebo, okay. placebo. it will override everything. So you can taking Valerian if you like, but if you're still not changing anything about your lifestyle to calm your nervous system, yeah. that will not work. Right. So it starts with the nervous system. And in that, you know, in that principle, I've got breath, mindfulness and movement. So that whole thing is the very first step. And then it's the whole digestive system. It's rhythm. It's rituals. It's managing our digestive fire. It's detoxifying the system because if your digestive system is not happy, that will disturb your sleep as well. As well. Your microbiome, you know, that loads sort of happy bugs that, you know, are in your gut. You know, you've got so many nerves in your gut and health starts in the gut. Right. You have to look after yeah. your gut. <clears throat> and uh, so it's quiet in the nervous system it's managing and, and looking after and nourishing and taking care of the gut and balancing the digestive fire and then it's moving into the consciousness so it's actually getting connected to your dharma, getting connected to your purpose because when you're disconnected when you're not being the best expression or you're not expressing yourself as your intimate soul wants you to in this life it's disturbing you know and when you're asleep sometimes that That's kind of like keeping you awake. Those messages are coming up and they're like, hello, um, I'd love you to be, you know, I I think this is what you need to be doing in this life. So, um, you know, nourishing that part of you, getting connected to your your path and getting in connected deeper to your inner self. many people that need to be taken in order for your body to have the energy to take you into a deep sleep. Right. That People don't realize they go, I'm so tired. Why don't I sleep? Well, because your your body is so exhausted and worn out that it hasn't got the energy to take you you into a deep sleep. So that's kind of like the, the, the process that I've kind of made it into the step by step because it needs to be done in that order. You can't put the nourishment in, you will not be able to sit and meditate for a start. I can tell you if your nervous system is all over the place, you will not be able to sit for more than one nanosecond. So you have to kind of work on that first Right. and then you walk through the whole digestive thing. And then you can then go, right. Okay. I'm a bit calmer. This is all happy. Digestive system is really happy. Now I can actually get the nourishment out of my food because my digestive system is working properly. And now I'm able I'm to able be to... quiet enough to listen to the stuff that's coming from somewhere deeper in yourself.
0: And that's the beauty of what you've described. Sleepology doesn't just impact our sleep and it's not a quick sleep fix. It's actually a life fix in some ways, because once you it get is. sleep right, a lot of those a lot of the latter part of the processes in the sleepology process speak to our dharma speak to our connectedness our purpose and therefore really it's also connected to our performance in the day you know and there's an intimate connection between our sleep our performance how we show up for others how we show up for ourselves and who we bring to the table each time we turn up and you know how we interact with people so i think it's a Really powerful process. Obviously, people can go access the book, but you do have a program. If I'm not un- if I'm not mistaken, you have a special sleepology program, and there is something special that you wanted to announce. Uh, it's a, do you want to just describe yeah. the program briefly? Um,
1: yeah, basically. Yeah, the program is um, it's called Sleep Mastery, and it's a ten week program. So I'm basically taking you through step by step. So there's a one to one with me because one of the things, the most important things, is to actually work out where the imbalances are so it's not just kind of going through the program because it's bespoke because everyone has slightly different needs and there's going to be slightly different causes for the sleep issues so we have to do the inquiry first it's a deep inquiry and then there's coaching and there's recorded content and it's a it's a program it's a 10-week program right um anyone's anyone who's coming on through here there's a 10 percent discount um, but just co- just come to me and let me know where right. you um, heard about it, and I will give you the information. But it, it does work. It's a process, and if you're ready to really, you know, it's not for, if it's not for you if you're not ready to dedicate a bit of time to your well being. Right. But if you are ready to go, right, actually, I'm really ready now. Then this is the program because it's very, very kind of like holistic. And complete I'm not just gonna tell you to just do a bit of sleep hygiene um, and take a few valerian for sure
0: yeah and that's I think that's what's attractive about it you know you, you have a deep care for the people you work with you're bringing 30 plus years of knowledge and wisdom and training And stuff that you've seen work and it's holistic it it works as as does ayurveda it works holistically as and it treats the human being as a whole it doesn't just try and separate one part and try to dissect things it treats that person as a whole and i think that's where its success lies and obviously Mm -hmm. folks as you've heard there Anandi is offering a special additional 10 percent for anybody who quotes this interview on stress to success or urban spirituality so Go take advantage of that reach out to anandi we'll leave the links below for that anandi what have you got on the radar what's happening uh, for the rest of this year any particular things you'd care to share
1: well um i did have quite a few things going on for the rest of this year (laughs) but um, um most of my retreats are in italy but i do still have one in italy in the diary still Um, the retreats are beautiful they're five nights it's a whole it's not like a yoga retreat just like yoga morning and evening we've got theory we've got one-to-ones there are practices you know it's very healthy food we have a proper chef we have Ayurvedic food um, and you have program to go home with they're usually really amazing events I do hope that that one will still go ahead in September um so yeah that's that's sort of the main thing on the radar unfortunately the other things have got cancelled because of the pandemic but um
0: that's okay because um i know that one thing we all need is better quality sleep so the demand will be there obviously your trainings in corporates are there as well so folks again those of you who are tuned in some of my um leadership friends if this is of interest do feel free to reach out to anandi again the links will be within this interview. So go check them out and reach out to Anandi and see if she can help you. And on that note, Anandi, I want to thank you for giving your time and sharing a glimpse of the insights that I think can really make a profound impact, positive impact on the lives of everybody who chooses to take them up. And also for blowing up blowing away some of the myths that many of us may have been carrying around to really pave the way for a more empowered conversation. About sleep, and to be able to help us to understand the far reaching impact of that sleep on stress, productivity obviously, an area of my specialism and how we can start to really integrate sleep as part of a holistic approach to life. More needed now than ever, I think. And for those yeah. of you who are on lockdown, what better time than now to start to study some of this stuff, take on board this course. And really start to get to grips with some of this. So, Anandi, the opportunity awaits with Anandi. Go reach out to her. And of course, mm-hmm. last but not least, for those of you who are ready to take your organizations through this crisis and who want that additional support to help your workforces with their well being, their stress levels, their resilience, help the leadership teams with the challenges they're going through, the additional challenges, do feel free to get in touch because we have some programs that we can work with you on tailored like Anandi's to your needs to help you to work through this difficult period and really get your workforce and your leaders out of this with the right level of well-being and mindset support that you truly deserve and that you all need so we're we're both at your services Anandi thank you it's been a pleasure thank you namaste
1: namaste
0: It's been a pleasure. (laughs) Thank you all for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode. Leave your comments. Don't forget to care and share. That's it from me. Prash Anandi. Take care. Hey folks. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire and empower you in your personal and spiritual journeys in life. As always, feel free to leave a little love through your ratings and comments, subscribe and share it with those you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our unique events, workshops or retreats or taking advantage of our personal and professional coaching packages. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality and we will catch you the next episode.